Welcome to 3 Minute Reviews. I am Adam. So, I was going to have an episode today come out later in the day, but I figured I'd record while on my way home from work, you know. So you might hear car noises, you might hear things like that, but I wanted to have something out tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. So we can keep up this trend. Tomorrow I'll record more. Um, what's it called? I'll, uh, I'll record a few more after work. Uh, got some cool stuff like... Uh, Hands on with the Avengers beta. Might watch something tonight after I get home before I get up in the morning. Uh, there's something else to talk about, but who knows? We'll see. Um, so let's discuss um, what would I do with a Batman trilogy. And the thing is, we're not going to do like I usually do, where I just pontificate about if I were to, you know, be doing Batman, and if if no one else was doing it, here's how I would do it. Based on the two minutes or so that we saw of uh, the Batman trailer, the trailer for The Batman from Matt Reeves, what would I do for a sequel and for a third, uh, for a third entry? It's gonna be it's, it's gonna be a trilogy. A trilogy is the the most cohesive form of storytelling. Uh, the concrete beginning, middle, and end, and then it breaks it down even further at the beginning, middle, and end of each entry. So it, it kind of is the best way to handle this. Uh, and typically that's what happens. Well, something major goes wrong, and then you end up doing, you know, two. Or it does so well, and they decide to split up the final entry into two movies, and, you know, you get that. And, um, so for this, um, the first one is very obviously the Riddler, and it's very obviously the Penguin's origins as well, alongside Batman's origins. And it's Batman's origin in a very unique way. Based on the show, and again, I have no inside info. I don't know... Uh, how this is going to work beyond just what um, what I've seen in this one trailer. From what I've seen, though, it seems like this is going to be an origin for Batman in a very unique way. Because, like, when you have Batman Begins and you have the other Batman origins that we've seen, we see his parents get killed and then we see him, you know, he kind of, you know, trains and he becomes Batman. But this is a Batman that's built differently. He is a, um, what's it called? He is, what's wrong with for? He is, you know, angry. This is an angry Batman. He, he's, you know, he says, I am vengeance. And then they ask, who are you? He says, I am vengeance. He doesn't say, I am Batman. He is, you know, the physical embodiment of, you know, vengeance. Which is unique, because what it's showing is that he is, um... He, this is catharsis for him. This is him taking out what happened to his parents and what happened in his life on, you know, on criminals. Because that's that's who he is. And that's how he that's how he gets his catharsis from what happened. It makes sense of, you know, the randomness of the world. Um, and, and you can see why that happens um, within the context of this movie. Now, based on what we've seen and what we've heard from from Matt Reeves, I think this is going to be the origin for why Gotham is the way that it is. And in the way that kind of, in Civil War, Vision says that Iron Man is the catalyst for bringing on people who, you know, people want to challenge Tony Stark and they want to, you know, his existence as Iron Man invites challenge. Because people want to mix up and shake up the, um, the, the hierarchy of power, as as um, The Rock said, um, and, 
but that's going to be what happens here. Is it's like they're going to see him do this, and they're going to do that. So what I'm thinking this movie's going to be, based on what we've seen, is that Batman's kind of active now. And, like, the police know who he is, but I'm, I'm thinking that, to a larger extent, the city of Gotham doesn't quite acknowledge him as, you know, as a savior. He's kind of a boogeyman in that regard. And what this reminds me of is two things. Number one, the Devil of Hell City from in, in Daredevil, where he's he's there and he's kind of a protector of the city and he protects the those who can't protect themselves and he does a good job of doing that and then he kind of doesn't become a costumed hero until the very end. He's kind of just a vigilante in the beginning. And he comes into his own as the Daredevil and when he earns that final costume, you understand why. And that kind of makes sense in the, over the course of the show. And the other thing I think of is, I want to say it was like season, episode six of season one of The Flash on the CW, where The Flash is kind of an urban legend up until that point. Or it, it was like in episode six, where The Flash is kind of an urban legend. And um, Captain Cold and Heatwave, like the villains know he's there and they hear about him and like Iris is running the blog. Uh, which becomes a central city, central city citizen, um, about, you know, we're tracking the Flash, we're tracking, well, I mean, at the time, he's, you know, the streak, but he, he goes, like, um, what's it called, um, she's doing all of that over the course of the show, over the course of that, and then, um, Captain Cold, who had encountered the Flash, teams up with Heatwave, and they issue a proclamation on TV, the Flash is going to come out, the Flash is going to face us, and the Flash is going to die, and if he doesn't, we are going to kill people, or we're going to do something. I forgot what the exact consequence was if Barry didn't go out and do that. And Joe sits him down and says to him, this is the moment the Flash becomes a hero. This is the moment the Flash comes out, and the world knows the Flash exists. This is your proclamation that you are here and you are protecting this city in the same way Oliver is. The Green Arrow. Um, now, the, that's what I'm thinking this is going to be. This is going to be the moment that the Riddler kind of forces Batman out into the open and forces him out so that way the people of Gotham can look to him as a savior. And that's the key part of the trilogy that happens here, is it's now Gotham now no longer fears the Batman. He's no longer a boogeyman to be feared over, uh, because he's, he is the, he's a watchful, he's a protector a watchful eye over the city. A dark night, if you will. Um, and, and I think that that's going to be where this movie goes. Now, where do you go from there? And I was thinking about it today while I was at work, and I was thinking, where do you go after that? And here's the thing. I think early on in this movie, he's going to kill. Because he hasn't quite established his no-kill code yet. And how that doesn't make him any better than, you know... The, the, than Joe Chill, who murdered his mom, his parents. And, and that's, a, that's a big deal, is that he hasn't quite realized that yet. So by the end of this movie, he realizes that he, he can't just kill. But he deals with the Riddler in a way where the Riddler is kind of written off completely. And he's just a lunatic. And he's doing it just because he can. He's kind of like, you know, kind of like how we write off the Joker as an anarchist recently. He, he kind of does that with the Riddler, and he kind of throws him into, you know, throws him into Arkham, throws away the key, and then, you know, that's the end of that. Um, now, if I'm doing the sequel, I bring in Mr. Freeze. Or another villain that you can have be more sympathetic 
And he's doing this not because he's just a lunatic, but he genuinely is trying to do this for a good reason. And his methods are just different. Which now forces Batman to reckon with who he is as a hero. Who is he facing off with? Why is he facing off with them? And are they doing the right thing? And can he, in good conscience, just throw him into Arkham? Because Arkham's a shithole. And, and Arkham is not going to be the solution to this problem. And can he do that, then? Um, and what does that look like? And that's what I would do there. Also, in this movie, I would have him take on a protege. I would have him take on a young a young, uh, young man who, you know, sees him in the first movie and starts emulating him. Uh, and that young man is Jason Todd. And then comes the third movie. Now, I'm happy about the first movie because it doesn't have a certain clown-themed character who seems to get shoehorned into literally everything over at, at, at DC Comics. And I'm, I'm happy that he's not in the first one. And I think that he's an interesting foil in so much as, in this case, we now kill Jason Todd very early on in the third movie. Um, he faces off with the Joker early on. The Joker's kind of been activating Gotham kind of, you know, recently. He kind of just started showing up, and, you know, he's kind of been kind of an, an antagonist. I would go with the, the, what's it called? A little bit of the philosophical Joker, the, the your, one, your one bad day away. Uh, from being me that we get in the Dark Knight, but at the same time, I would also go with a Joker that is um, what's the what I'm, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the Clown Prince of Crime. That at the end of the day, he likes having a, a someone who he's antagonistic towards, and he likes pushing him. Um, but at the same time, he's also a drug runner. He's also you know human trafficking. He's also doing all all kinds of this stuff uh, at the same time. So I have these two kind of things kind of juxtaposed to each other. Uh, but in the same character. And they are facing off against, you know, the, uh, what's it called? They're, they're uh, that, that's where we're going with that. Um, now, if I'm doing that, the next step, the next question we have is, why do we kill Jason Todd for just introducing him? Number one, this gives you the opportunity to do Under the Red Hood in the future. If they do make a fourth move, you have to make a fifth. Because Robert Pattinson has said that the reason why he's doing this is because he needs money. Uh, so you could feasibly do Under the Red Hood in the future. You can bring in, you know, the Bat. You can bring in, you can bring in Red Hood. You can do uh, all kinds of cool things like that. Bring in uh, Damian Wayne later. Bring in, um, what's it called? Um, bring in... Um, uh, Dick Grayson, but I would do Jason Todd first in this case. It's unique. We have not had Jason Todd in in this way in a movie before, so it would be pretty cool to bring that in. Um, now, once these characters... Now, now that Jason Todd is dead, he's back to wanting vengeance. And this is someone who he could have saved, but he didn't. And he's got that guilt. And now he has to make the choice. Go back to being the bat. The homicidal bat that we had in the beginning of the first movie. Before he became the savior of Gotham. I would... He has that choice there. He can do that. And... Or he can go and he can, you know, continue doing that. And ultimately he chooses to not kill the Joker at the end. And it's not like, you know... He's got to be talked out of it by Superman, or he's got, or like, you know, and he's got to be talked out of it by Superman because of a legal loophole. He's got, he, he, he just doesn't do it because he realizes it's the wrong thing to do, and he doesn't, so he doesn't kill the, uh, 
He does not kill the Joker at the end of the movie, and he locks him in the Arkham. Um, so yeah, do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me? Let me know on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at 30 Min Review. Um, and uh, as always, we'll be back later this week, or you know, Tuesday, with more cool things that uh, that we can discuss. So until then, have a great rest of your week.